Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. We've got the great grace to have a powerful blues man with us here today for Song of the Soul. Robert B. Jones Sr. is here, typically prefaced by a reverend because he's pastor of the Sweet Kingdom Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit. With 30 years of blues plus other Americana species of music under his belt, Robert is rich in music, but also wealthy in stories and soul. He's come down from Detroit to join me in a live audience for today's interview and performance on the campus of the University of Toledo, where around a 1,000 Quakers are gathered for a week-long event called the Friends General Conference Gathering. What a blessing to have Robert B. Jones with us today. Robert, I'm so glad you made it here for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad I made it, too. So how long a drive is it down from Detroit here to Toledo? It's not bad. It's about an hour and 12 minutes if you don't run into anything. I didn't run into anything, so it was good. You just got back, I understand, what, two days ago from being over in Washington State. What were you doing over there? Actually, I started my little trip. I was in Denver with a group of people who like to dance, something called the Mile High Blues Dance Society or something. So these people dance but they danced to blues. I went and played with a band that I had never met before, and we got to do three sets together because of the nature of blues being so kind of simple and cooperative. And then the next day I did this workshop on blues, a general lecture on blues, a couple workshops on blues. Then I left there and went to something called Voice Works, which is a celebration of singing at uh, Centrum at uh, Port Townsend, Washington. We got to hang out with some wonderful people, jazz singers, blues. Well, I was the blues singer. We were singing spiritual songs, sacred songs, secular songs, French songs. It was a lot of fun. Mon Dieu, Mon chanson Dieu. française. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't singing a French song, so, but it was pretty cool. Voice Works is really about singing and just celebrating singing. Then I came back home. And then you came back home on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning you preached at your church. Uh, tell us about your church. I pastor a church called Sweet Kingdom Missionary Baptist Church, which is on the east side of Detroit. It's the neighborhood that I grew up in. Uh, now that neighborhood is uh, a bit challenged by a lot of things, blight mostly. It is a neighborhood that is in the midst of restoration, if you will, but the question is who is going to restore it and for what purpose? So most of us who live, who go to the church, we live in different parts of Detroit or even in different Detroit suburbs, but we come back to the Lower East Side because that's where the church is. I understand you were doing the music before you became pastor of the church. Yes. How did that go? Well, it went well, but sometimes not smoothly. <laughs> People regard blues as being, you know, it's secular music. 
So some people thought they understood what blues were about. You know, they hear blues, they think Bobby Blue Bland and drinking tumblers of scotch and all that kind of stuff. But the blues I was always interested in as a kid is the music that actually led to popular American music as a whole, what they call country blues. Usually a person with a guitar or harmonica or both or mandolin or something like that. And that area of blues I've always been, I've always found it to be inspirational and interesting and informative. And in its own way, it can be spiritual. So there was a little bit of a conflict when my, when my pastor died back in 1999 as to who the next leader of the church would be. I think in all other respects, folks liked me. I was married to one wife. I had two kids who weren't crazy. I didn't owe anybody any money. I was a pretty stable guy, but some people said, oh, my God, he sings blues. And, uh, <laughs> and it was a, a bit of a conflict, but eventually it worked out. I've been pastoring there for 15 years. I just did an interview with an author of a book called Religion Around Billie Holiday. Uh-huh. And she was dancing on that line. I don't know if you knew her Catholic background. And she lived essentially in a, a Catholic monastery for a couple years of her life and was deeply affected by this. So even though people think of her as a secular singer, because she wasn't singing gospel tunes or whatever. So did that mean that now, Robert, you've introduced more blues music into the church service? Not really, but I'll tell you, I don't have an aversion to using blues or any other kind of music in worship. Uh, The church is pretty traditional, but I'll just give you an example. Our kids have put on a play tentatively aimed toward Black History Month in February, but if it's not right, I don't mind them taking it into another month. So in fact, it happened in April this year, and I told them that's cool because we're still black in April. So, so um, the kids were working on this play, and it's called Black to the Future. You know, obviously playing on the movie, right? But the idea, the premise is that you have a woman who's a slave, and she's visited by an angel who shows her the future of black history as it will unfold. So she gets to meet Mary McLeod Bethune or George Washington Carver or Martin Luther King. She gets to see Muhammad Ali. And our kids are playing all of these roles. Well, at some point, they start talking about lynching. And our kids, you have these really three tall, very athletic-looking kids standing in front of these little trees that they've made. As they stand there, you hear something like, Southern trees bear strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root, black bodies swinging in a southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. And it's a recording of Billie Holiday. And as those kids are hanging there, literally standing there, but hanging there, they start to sway. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, it just grabs you by the throat to see these kids that you know, you know, you've seen them grow up as babies. And now they're utilizing drama, music, dance, blues to tell a story. 
So at our church, we're not adverse to blues, but it's not a regular part of our service. Does being the pastor mean that you do or do not get to share music as part of the service? I get a chance to share music, but, you know, we're a pretty traditional church, and I'm not trying to impose my will or my musical taste on the church. You know, we have a choir director, we have a, a minister of music, and so they usually decide what it is that they want to play or explore. And it usually is some form of traditional gospel, whether it's older gospel or whether it's a little bit more contemporary. That's what they do. So I'm, I'm usually busy enough trying to um, preach the word than to worry about the music. Well, the reason I have you, Robert B. Jones Sr. And by the way, if you're a senior, I assume that means there's a junior? There is a junior. Does he have a B also? He does. He does. The B is for Bernard, nothing. Not Baptist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not big boy. So the reason we have you here, Robert, is to share your song of the soul. And you've been doing music for a few decades now, in addition to doing preaching at least half of that time. So, I mean, you've got a very full plate, I have imagined. What kind of songs would you like to share? Well, maybe I'll start off with the song that got me started. When I was a kid, my grandmother, Arnesia Shepherd, came up with a, a record which some people remember records, right? Um, A record called Songs of the South. And it featured a couple guys named Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Sonny was a uh, harmonica player who, who had been blinded, effectively, legally blinded since he was about four years old. Had two separate accidents that took his sight. And then Brownie was uh, a guitar player who had contracted polio at a young age before that disease was largely eradicated. So they kind of did what people did when they had physical challenges back in the, in the 30s. They played music, um, sometimes on the street, sometimes in a, outside of tobacco uh, uh, plants or buildings in North Carolina. And they played together like hand and glove. So my grandmother buys this record, and she says, this is the music we used to listen to down south. You got to know I'm, I'm a kid from Detroit. I'm from Motown. So, you know, I'm listening to this stuff going, yeah, right. But then it starts to get into me, right? And before I know it, I'm buying a harmonica, and I'm playing along with Sonny. Eventually, I went to a pawn shop, got a guitar, started playing along with Brownie. And so this is the kind of music that really, without that record, my life takes an entirely different direction. But this is one of the songs that was featured on that album. My baby and me, we never used to fight. Used to love again, kiss at night. I came home one morning and she had gone away Ever since, ever since she went away long Though my heart does nothing but ache Our address is unknown, Lord, and the blues is here to stay She gone but not forgotten Tell you the reason why 
see the kind of loving love that would satisfy. She had love like the ocean rolling that comes in with the tide. Well, I hope, Lord, I hope that comes a day. She let her love roll by my way. Explain to me herself the reason why she left. So much a little little sample of Sonny and Brownie. But in, in essence, when I grew up, and I was maybe 10 or 11 when my grandmother brought that record home, I grew up starting to think about, you know, where that music came from. And also I think about the idea of making music as a solitary musician or maybe one or two musicians as opposed to a band. That was the beginning of my love of acoustic, although we didn't call it then. American Roots music. And since then, you know, I've been privileged to play with, to play in front of, to play around some of the really finest American Roots musicians that this country has to offer in this day and age. And I've become a student of this music. And and eventually, it led to something that helps to augment my ministry. Strange way that I could not have anticipated when I started so this is part of enlarging beyond blues, are you saying, and into the folk Americana the kind of stuff you and Matt Watroba? Yeah, I have a friend named Matt Watroba who is uh, a folk musician. We were kind of leading parallel lives in different parts of the metropolitan Detroit area. I was raised in the inner city in Detroit. He was born in Detroit but raised in a suburb called Plymouth. So, for example... When the riots happened in Detroit in 67, his family moved away further out. My family dug in and stayed in Detroit. So we experienced Detroit from two different angles and in two different ways. But eventually, when we came together as friends, the first time we actually played a show together, somebody invited me to play blues and him to play folk. And we ended up playing country all night. So we found out there were what common grounds are places where American music meets and has, has a common language. And that has led to an over 30-year-long friendship. It's part and parcel of what you know we talk about when we talk about American roots music. For those listening, Matt Latroba, I have had him on the program, Song of the Soul. Also, he's been a DJ, so he's connected with a lot of people that way as well. So he's really well-versed and connected with all of the people. Any big names you want to you know, just name drop, who you shared the stage with or whatever? Well, let's see. I opened for B.B. King, mm. and then um, I got to hang out with B.B. in the bus, in the B.B. bus. His band has a bus, but B.B. had his own bus, and it had a shower, a bar, a kitchen, anything B.B. wanted, you know. And it was very nice. And he was a very sweet gentleman. He one of the most generous artists I've ever run across. People lined up, brought anything that they wanted signed. He signed it. He 
listened to stories. He shared stories. When my wife and I came on the bus, he's like, uh, Mrs. Jones, why don't you sit down here next to me? So he flirted with my wife. It was one, he's just a wonderful <laughs> guy. So I've opened for him. Bonnie Raitt, great singer-songwriter named Towns Van Zant. Just a wide variety of people. I'm, I'm working on a program next year with Alice Gerard, who is just one of the icons of American music, especially with banjo, um, Mike Seeger, just a bunch of really cool people. The great Willie Dixon, who was this wonderful blues uh, songwriter and arranger. So yeah, just uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting and sitting down and talking with a lot of really great musicians. Yorma Kalkinen, who of course lives in down on the Ohio River in Pomeroy, Ohio. So you could probably keep us busy all day long just recounting all those stories, but I think you were probably leading up to another song. You went to a different mode. You, you're, you're touching on this Americana side of music. What's next for your Song of the Soul? Well, one of the things I've come to appreciate is the importance of place, right? I mean, where you come from, who you are, is often intimately tied to where you've come from, how you identify yourself, what you call, where you call home. So this guitar that I'm playing is kind of an example of how the universe works to reinforce those ideas. Whenever I go somewhere, people always say, you know, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Detroit. And then they look with this kind of faraway look in their eye and they say, how's Detroit doing? As if it was a patient on life support. And I say, Detroit's doing fine, right? And uh, it's kind of like that thing that one of the disciples said when they heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, it's like, can any good thing come from Nazareth? <laughs> you know, so it's like, can any good thing come from Detroit? And so of course. So I feel like whenever I go somewhere, I tend to represent the city that I was born in. Well, one day um, I meet this guitar player and this song came out of the meeting that I had with this guitar player. I called it This Old House. This old house was built on Trumbull Street back in 1910 when the whole world worked for Henry Ford. He was the poor man's friend. And Detroit money built it, but it outlived the fame of a city that put the world on wheels and gave Motown its name. But when you come from Detroit, you have to know, my friend, that you cannot surrender and you cannot give in and even when you're broken and you're almost at the end know that if you save the pieces you will rise again Milton Smith lived in this old house for almost 60 years it had a chef singing but it had a share of tears Through the coolies and Hernandezes Time would take its toll 2012 they took her down 102 years old But when you come from Detroit You have to know, my friend That you cannot surrender And you cannot give in And even when you're broken and you're almost at the end 
know that if you save the pieces, you will sing again. I'm just a Detroit storyteller, but I travel near and far. And a Detroit storyteller loves to play Detroit guitars. So I made a building named him Mickey, a man of awesome skills. Arch tops, flat tops, ukuleles, ain't nothing he can't build. He said, I got something I'd like to show you, and I think it's kind of sweet. I built this from this old house that used to stand on Trumbull Street. I use maple for the floorboards and walnut from the shelves. And the top is from a ceiling joist that I cut and clean myself. Now I play a Detroit guitar made of hundred year old wood. And I got to tell you, she sounds mighty good. Cause when you come from Detroit, you have to know my friend. That you cannot surrender And you dare not give in And even when you're broken And you're almost at the end Know that if you save the pieces You will sing again Know that if you save the pieces You will sing again Our guest is Robert B. Jones Sr., who's with us here today for Song of the Soul, Norton Spirit Radio production on the web, nordenspiritradio.org, where you find uh, links to our guests, and you can listen to these programs over and over and over again. You'll also find a link to track down Robert B. Jones. Do we have to go to the, via Tamulevich to find you, or how do we get to your music? I have a website, revrobertjones.com. You can get CDs right from the website. And there are clips. I'm on YouTube like everybody else is. So if you Google Robert Jones Blues or Robert Jones Storyteller or Robert Jones Music, I usually pop up. Or you can just come via NordenSpiritRadio.org. I'll have a link right there. You'll find out which songs we played on this program. All of our guests for the last 13 years that we've been doing Norton Spirit Radio stuff. So... Please come by our site and track all those people down. Leave comments so that we know you've been listening and what you like, what you don't like. And there's a donate button so you can support us that way. But I first want to remind you to support your local community radio stations. Invaluable. Now, I'm wondering for you, Robert, up there and you're in Detroit where you're located, in that area, are there local stations which are not owned by the six major hands that control 90% of our media in the United States? Absolutely. It's like a, a matter of really thanking God for public radio. I used to have a radio show on a public radio station in Detroit, WDT, for years. I had a blues show, and then I had a show of sacred music called Deep River. And since then, the public radio station has changed its emphasis, and I think they started talking to consultants that told them they needed to make changes that they really didn't need to make. But there are a number of really wonderful public radio stations, WUOM, WKAR, and various others based in most of the larger cities. I think UOM is actually broadcast all over the state. Just to have stations that don't feel obliged to play, not the top 40, it's really like the top 10. 
that they just keep coming at you with over and over and over again. You know, you have radio stations with a mission or purpose that is not necessarily entirely commercial is a blessing. And I think we have to do what we can to support those kind of stations. And community radio stations are a special case. They're run mostly by volunteers, and so they don't have the bucks even that public radio gets. So just some excellent, excellent folks out there, including the 36 or so stations nationwide that carry our programs. But I want to keep going with your music, because that's why all these people are here. Could you make some noise out there so that they know? The Quakers, man. It's like, you know. <laughs> so actually, when they cheer, they normally clap their hands by putting Probably, them above the hands, yeah. shake them like they just got it's out of hand. It's a great show, but bad radio, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so why don't you go on with some more music? Okay. Well, you know, before I uh, sort of dive off into that, know that one of the reasons I wanted to write that song, that previous song, was because I'm literally playing a brand new guitar that's made out of 100-year-old wood. So what happens is the wood ages, the wood has aged already because it was a house that was lived in. And, And there's always that desire to have something that's new with durability, but at the same time you need to acknowledge that something old has the character, the patina, and the tone. And so, you know, that guitar maker um, sort of gave me a tool that I think I use as a metaphor for a lot of the the music that I play. The greatest tradition of traditional music is the tradition of making new music in that tradition. So I, I wrote this song for my daughter. My daughter is now 26 years old. But when she was eight, she was, uh, I could always already tell that I had fathered a diva. And uh, she, can, she knows everything. She knows how to act. She really is a great singer. Uh, she knows everything, but she still needs her mom and dad's money. So uh, I wrote her this song when she was about eight to let her know why her name is Arnesia, which, of course, that's why the song is called Arnesia's Song. It starts off in a little town of Evergreen, Alabama, which is perpetually behind the times, but that's where the song starts. So this is Arnesia's song. I don't think uh, this guitar likes the weather. In the year of 1916, the moneyed world had turned its hands to war. But deep within the state of Alabama, Arnesia of Evergreen was born. And there never was a movie done about her. No history book will ever hold her name. But I know her story like I know my own hand. And I will tell her story just the same. Well, in 28, when all the folks were laughing and talking about the money that they'd made, at 12 years old in dresses made of patches, Arnesia picked the cotton while she played. And she helped her mother raise two orphan cousins, cause that's the way they did it in those days. 
barely older than the children that she cared for. That's how our niece should learn her mother's ways. And in 34, when all the folks were crying, talking about the money that they'd lost, our niece was all alone and trying to figure out what love too young would cause. She'd had two children for a mile of wedlock Back when such children were a mark of shame Though she never wore it in her own house She raised her babies with their father's name And no movies were ever done about her No history book will ever hold her name But I know her story like I know my own hand I will tell her story just the same By 49, Anisha left for Detroit To see the poor man's fabled promised land She sold whiskey to the workers in Black Bottom And she put her problems all in Jesus' hands And Detroit wasn't like old Alabama she had to learn to face the cold gray mold That rags wrapped round her feet would keep her walking And newsprint round her legs would keep her warm And in 56 while civil rights was marching Her daughter had a baby of her own She found out what Arnesia had long known That it's hard to raise a baby on your own but those women worked to raise that boy together And they gave me all the best they had to give When I think about the way those women raised me I know those women taught me how to live And no movies were ever done about her No history book will ever hold her name But I know her story like I know my own hand and I will tell her story just the same By the 60s, Arnisha's son got married He found success in the mechanics trade His eight children came and brought his mama pleasure And around her feet all nine grandchildren played and we grew inside the joy that was around her Somehow we'd all cut out our middle moms For a neighborhood of children called her mother And she wiped away our tears on callous palms But by the 80s while the whole wide world was spending Arnisha did the best that she could do Her only son was killed at 37 her only daughter died at 52 And the twist of fate had taken all her children And nearly all the joy that did remain But in my son's eyes she met four generations And she knew her life had not been lived in vain And in 90 in the month that she was born in Arnesia of Evergreen went home and in 91 my wife came in and blessed me 
with another little Alicia of my own. And sometime when I hear my niece laughing, I hear my other niece in the sound. And it's then I bow my head and pray to heaven that our niece's life goes better this time around. end up feeling torn, Robert, about clapping for that. I feel like giving a prayer an amen. I feel like giving tears, both tears of joy and tears of sadness. Did you live with your grandma? Was she raised you? Yeah, she's big mama, man. She raised me. Big mama, every bit of like five foot four or something. Uh, <laughs> but I think everybody has that figure in their life. It's like that person who took the blows so you wouldn't have to and really who came through the fire and helped to form who you are. So the fact that my wife, a year after my grandmother had died, and initially they didn't get along, it's really funny, until my son came along. And when my son came along, all was well, all was forgiven. So my grandmother really gloried in her great-grandson. Then, when my wife found out she was expecting a child, or we were expecting a child, a year after my grandmother had died, it was my wife's suggestion that if she was a little girl, we name her Arnesia. So the story comes back full circle. But yeah, that's I, I really I'm honored that that's your reaction to that song. Some I must admit, sometimes people cry during that song. Sometimes they applaud. Sometimes they just sort of sit there like <gasps> they've been hit by a truck. So it's a it's a wonderful thing, and I think it's because we have we we relate to whoever our personal Arnesias were when we hear that song. It's a beautiful song, and I note that that's on your. At the Crossroads recording, This Old House was on Things Old and New. The first song, is that on one of your releases? It must be. I mean, it must, it must be. It was like one of the first songs I ever taught myself to play, so it must be on one of them. Well, let's keep going with your music. I want to get as much in as we can in this hour. Well, you know, all my stuff is not sad or any, or, or, or like, you know, a lot of times when you talk about this idea of the blues, the blues being sad or the blues being heavy, the blues really represents life. It's like some, just like life is sometimes sad, sometimes it's happy. Some, sometimes the blues is even seductive and that this is the music that guys like Robert Johnson would use to attract young women. I jokingly say that if Robert Johnson were alive today, he would be the guy on the Maury Povich show with paternity suits in against him. Because, you know, he was a dog, man. He was like, you got this great legend about this guy who goes down to the crossroads and supposedly sells his soul to learn how to play the blues. When in fact what you had was this kid who just wanted to be famous, wanted to be loved in a sense. And um, he knew that if you could play, that women paid attention to you, right? In the verse, he used to play harmonica. And then I guess harmonica players might be good kissers, but they don't really get the ladies. So he started to play <laughs> the guitar. And he didn't sell his soul. He, he did what everybody does. He got a guitar teacher. 
he disappeared for like a year and he came back and everybody was like, my God, when did you learn to play that? He bought into this mystique that surrounds music sometimes. Ozzy Osbourne's got the same thing, you know. But anyway, if you, if you um, take into account that song he does called Kind-Hearted Woman, you get an idea of how the music could be used to uh, uh, attract somebody. Let, and then she lets you sit around and play the guitar all day instead of having a real job. I never got that deal. Does your wife really allow you to play seductive songs like that? Sure, as I long mean, as I bring the check home to her. <laughs> you know, okay. I really have been blessed that uh, I don't think you could be a, a traveling musician or anything 
And if you had, you know, a mate who was really jealous or mistrustful of who you are and what you do, you kind of have to realize anybody who's going to be doing something crazy will be doing it whether you're there or not. So my wife has been wonderfully supportive, and she keeps you grounded, too. Because sometimes as a musician, you go around and people are just always telling you how much they enjoy you and how cool you are and how great you are. And you come home and your wife says, that's nice. Our daughter just flushed the cassette down the toilet. So, <laughs> so you know, you're going to be looking down the black hole of Calcutta pretty soon. So it's really, you know, she's been a, we've been married for 32 years. So she's really been a blessing. And how many kids do you have? We have two, a uh, son and a daughter. R.J., who's Robert Jr., he's now 29, and my daughter is now 26. We now have a granddaughter who's almost two and expecting another granddaughter who's on the way. Congratulations. That's where you get to really be great. Yeah. As a parent, I was excellent. As a grandfather, I'm in such high demand, I can't believe it. (laughs) It's wonderful. How many many kids do you have? Seven at the moment. Yeah, but you got to understand, I come from a family of 12 kids. Wow. So I know about action. My wife came from a family of 14 kids. The thing is, like, I was an only child, right? Oh, really? Right. So the first Christmas, the phone starts ringing at 6 in the morning, right? And it's like, Merry Christmas, Uncle Robert. Who's that? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Uncle Robert. And after a while, it's just like becomes... The phone rings, whatever, you know, so, so I, yeah, I married into a really big gang. It was wonderful. Cool. A lot of times my in-laws really represent the brothers and sisters that I never grew up with. So you play a lot in the Detroit area, or do you mainly travel, or how's it divided up? When I was a younger fella, I played a lot in Detroit. Used to play in bars. There was a bar called the Soup Kitchen Saloon, which was then the home of the blues in Detroit. Being an acoustic act in an electric genre actually worked out pretty well because I'd get to open for people. They'd set up the back line. They'd have the drums and the bass and all that. only thing they needed to do then is sit me in front with a stool and two mics. It was really easy teardown. So I played this place called the Soup Kitchen Saloon for years until they tore it down. It was an authentic blues bar. The, the chili was called Capital Punishment. The only thing I remember is like onions, man. It was great. And then I played this place in Dearborn, Michigan called Sully's, which brought in a lot of national acts. And I got to open for some really wonderful people. And it sort of taught me a lot about stagecraft and, and just how to deal with different audiences. But recently I find that I don't play as much locally as I used to. Not really interested in playing bars very much. I play coffee houses, churches, play a lot of schools. I have an educational program, which there's this great blues man named Willie Dixon, who started something called Blues in Schools about 30 years ago. And there are some performers around the country who do a lot of work in schools, and I'm one of them. I went out to YouTube to prepare and just listen to some of your music. Sister Bernice Jones, Matt Latroba, Davey Knowles, and Danny Glover. Oh, yeah. I never, I didn't get to meet Danny Glover, but I'm actually on an album with Danny Glover. Really? Yeah. I'm playing a gourd banjo, which is the ancestor of all banjos. African Americans coming to this country as slaves obviously couldn't bring anything with them, instrumentally or anything else. 
But rumor has it there was this instrument called the Akanting that was a long stick with a gourd and then maybe three strings stretched across it. And one is always a short string that's kind of a counterpoint to the other ones, to the two long strings. And you play kind of melody on the longer strings, but the short string is for rhythm. Well, eventually that instrument came to be the banjo in American music. It started off with three long strings and a short And then this guy, who was an Irish-American musician, added the fifth string. But it wasn't the short string, which people normally associate with the banjo. It was another long string that allowed him to play melody. So anyway, I'm playing this gourd banjo. I forget what it was. I knew it was a project that had to do with slavery. So I was playing a song, an old spiritual, called Keep Your Lamp Trimmed and Burning on a gourd banjo. And before I know it, when I hear the finished product, Here's Danny Glover going, yes, we must make it to freedom. I'm like, Danny, yo. So it was like, so yeah, I played with Danny Glover, but never met Danny Glover. Well, play some more music for us. Okie doke. So I was talking about Kind Hearted Woman, and that's, a, you know, that's sort of an example of one of those Mississippi seduction songs, if you will. But the blues really forms the basis of American popular music. If you scratch almost any style hard enough, you come up with the blues. And just like you had people like Robert Johnson, you had, on the other side, people like Reverend Gary Davis. Now, take Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, and Mary um, came up with this, this great song called If I Had My Way. It was a tremendous hit for them. And it kind of sounded like, if I had my way, if I had my way, if I had my way, I'd tear this building down. And they got it from Reverend Gary Davis. But Reverend Davis didn't play it like that. Reverend Davis was a street singer who used to play in, originally came from Spartanburg, South Carolina, and would play out on the streets in New York. And he gave guitar lessons to a lot of really prominent American roots musicians. So they continued to carry on his influence. But Reverend Davis was a person whose belief was, leave no string unplayed. So so Reverend Davis's version of If I Had My Way is a little bit more like this. Tell this feeling down 
they loose the gun and cool black hair. One day she came to Samson mine. Cause you saw this woman of the Philistine. Cause she climbed up on Samson's knee. Oh, say, tell me where your spirit lies, if you please. Spoke so fine, God know she spoke so fair. Could the lie cut off my hair? Said, if you say my head, just as clean as your hand. My strength will come at natural and any other man. If I had my way, if I had my way, if I had my way, I would. Ow! If I had my way, if I had my way, if I had my way, I would turn it. How are your fingers now? Oh, they're fine. Okay. They're still on. But, you know, as many notes as I can cram in there, Reverend Davis would find a way to cram even ten more per measure. He was a pretty amazing guitarist. You made the comment, Robert, that if you scratch popular music in the U.S., that you'll find blues underneath it. Does that include for rap? Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I wasn't hearing it, but then yeah. I'm, okay. I may be a tone deaf here. No. Well, it's not about tone, it's about rhythm in the case of rap. Take somebody like Sunhouse, who was born in Coma County, Mississippi, but died in Detroit in 1988. In fact, he's buried in Detroit. So take Sunhouse's song, The Death Letter Blues, which is about a man getting a letter bordered in black that tells him the woman he loves is dead. Red said, Hurry, hurry, Costa. Cow, your love is dead. Got a letter this morning. Oh, Lord, how you think it read? You saying, Hurry, hurry, cause the girl your love is dead. You know, I packed up my suitcase, took off down the road. When I got there, she was laying on the cooling board. I packed up my suitcase, Lord, and I took off down the road. When I got there, she was laying out on the cooling board. You know, I eased up close and I looked down in her face. I said, Farewell, honey, no, I just can't take your place. I eat the clothes, Lord, and I look down in her face. I say you're a good old girl, yeah, but I just can't take your place. Well, this song can go on for a really long time, but I'm going to wrap it up. Because a lot of times, I'm in a school setting. It's about the time for the custodian to turn the gym, the cafetasium back into a cafeteria. And uh, so, you know, you might do two or three verses of that old song.
But then you turn around and you say to the kids, well, I would really love to do the whole song for you, but the only way I can do it in the two minutes I got left in the assembly is to modernize it. So instead of doing each verse twice, I do each verse once, and I'll speed the song up and eventually fade the music out, in which case this 1928 Death Letter Blues becomes the 2018 remix, and it ends up sounding like this. I got a letter this morning, I think it read, said, hurry, hurry, cause the gal you love is dead. You know I packed up my suitcase, took off down the road, when I got there, she was laying out on the cooling floor. I ate the post and I looked down in her face and said, hey, you know I love you, but I just need to go place. Seemed like the thousand was standing around the funeral ground. I didn't know much of love to tell it, put my baby in the ground for my arms. And then I walked away and said, hey, you know I love you, have to see your judgment day. You know I was this morning, it was about to break a day. And I was hanging on the pillow where my baby used to lay. Hush, I thought I heard her call my name. She didn't call so loud, but she called so plain. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, you answered my question where rap came from. Yes. Okay, you nailed yes, it. Yes, you nailed yes. it. Well, I think we're about done with our time here. Folks, you've been listening to Robert B. Jones Sr. Amongst other things, you can find him in Detroit at the Sweet Kingdom Missionary Baptist Has Church no in Detroit. no theological meaning whatsoever, except the deacon said, I think it sounds good. Okay. <laughs> He's been with us here today for Song of the Soul. We're actually at the Friends General Conference gathering. Happens annually, I attend. And he was just an hour away north of us because we're in Toledo. Uh, we've got an audience here again. Can we hear that you're here? That lack of noise that you just heard is some silent Quakers here. <laughs> Thank you so much for driving down, taking the effort, especially after coming back from major traveling. I, I know that you're maybe more used to this than most people, but I really, truly appreciate it. And I'm so thankful you joined us today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.